Well, thank you, choir. And if you'd open your Bibles, please, this morning, the book of Mark, chapter number 7. The book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, and the seventh chapter. Mark chapter 7. We're going to read from it, and then I'm going to read it again to you later on in our, um, in our service here. Let's begin in chapter 7, and stand to your feet with me, if you will, please, in verse number 14. Mark 7 and 14. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. Now, notice that phrase. There's nothing from outside a man that enters into him and defiles him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. And if you will go with me down to verse number, uh, let's see, verse number 20. He said, that which cometh out of the man... That is what defileth the man, that our problems are internal. Then notice these verses. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed, notice, evil thoughts, adultery, fornication, murder, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Man, what a catalog of evil, huh? And all of these evil things come from within, and they defile the man. Thank you, and you may be seated. You know, one of the saddest things, in my opinion, about our world today is that, particularly here in America, we no longer know our history. We are not studying American history like we used to study it. And maybe the most neglected part of history is Christian history. And I find that uh, people today, we drop the names of people like Martin Luther and John Bunyan and great heroes of the Christian faith and that there are people who know nothing about them. It's like, who was that? Why are they significant? And it's a tragic thing. The philosopher was certainly correct when he said that those who do not know history are doomed to repeat its mistakes. If we don't know our past, we are not very well equipped for the present or the future particularly. And today I want to talk to you about an important contributor to the very foundation of Western civilization. I want to talk to you about one of the most important people in our entire culture. His name was Augustine. I think that's the way he pronounced it. But uh, here in the South, we call it Augustine, same person. I guess the reason we call him Augustine is because there's a city down in Florida called St. Augustine because he's known among the Catholic people as a saint. Now, we Baptists don't saint uh, people in the same way that the Catholic Church does. So I'll just refer to him today as 
Augustine or Augustine. But he was a great, great man. And just as an educated person, you ought to know something about this man because he laid the foundations in many way, many ways of Western civilization. He was born in the year 354, three and a half centuries after our Lord Jesus Christ. He was an African. Many people, when we think of Africa, we think of Africa as it is today, but the northern part of Africa around the Mediterranean and so on in those days was a part of the Roman Empire. And it was a great, great civilization. Don't think in terms of jungles and and uh, uh, uncivil, uh, a lack of civilization. It was as civilized as the city of Rome itself in those days. And where he was born would today be a part of Algeria, though the city no longer uh, is in existence where he was born. His father was a, name, a man named Patricius, which today would be Patrick. He was a pagan, a secularist, really a pretty wicked man, never showed any interest in Christianity until on his deathbed he supposedly made a conversion to Jesus Christ. But now, you, if you've read Christian history, you know about his mother. His mother's name was Monica, and she was known for her prayers because all the years that this young man was straying from God, Monica was daily praying for her son, Augustine or Augustine, to come to Christ and to become a Christian, and she taught him the Christian faith as a young boy. But he left home when he was 17 years old, and he moved to Carthage, also on the Mediterranean coast of North Africa. The city no longer exists today, but it was a great and thriving, famous city in the Roman Empire days. And he went there to enroll in the University of Carthage, where he was going to receive his higher education. And while he was there, he began to major in languages, and he mastered the two languages that were most spoken at that time in history, Latin and Greek. And it's said that he was a master of both of those languages. He then became a philosopher. He was recognized as a brilliant, brilliant scholar. And he said, though, while I was at the university, I strayed from everything I'd ever known doesn't sound too unfamiliar, young people, with what happens to a lot of young people who go off to the university today. They leave their history, and they leave behind what they have learned at their mother's knee. And this is the story of Augustine as well. And while he was there, he said, I became involved in a cult. It was the cult of the Manicheans. And I don't need to talk about that. It was just the opposite of what we would think of as Christianity. But that was not only his problem, because he fell in with a group of people. Today, we would call them the partying crowd. And they lived a wicked, godless, licentious lifestyle. In fact, these wicked young men at their wild partying, they actually boasted of their sexual exploits. They would come back and talk about that they had had a sexual relationship, an immoral relationship with one of the young women of the city there. In fact, Augustine described himself during that time with these words. He said, I was a, quote, slave to lust, a slave 
to lust. Sounds like modern-day America, doesn't it? Not too far from where American, America has gone. And he boasted of his sexual exploits and conquering these women, as it were. When he was 19 years old, he took a mistress. And uh, they lived together, and they had a son. By, he had a son by this woman. He never married her. He lived with her for 12 years. And he continued with his education, and then he went through as far as he could go, and he became a professor himself. He moved then to Rome, and he moved on then finally to Milan in Italy. He said, I was sophisticated, worldly-wise. I was proud. But he said, I became dissatisfied with the Manichean cult I was in. It didn't satisfy the longings of my heart. And so he said, instead of returning to my Christian base, I actually just fell into skepticism and unbelief. In fact, he describes himself this way at that point in his life. He said, my God was reason." And I became an absolute skeptic, rejecting the belief in the supernatural entirely. He said, I only worshiped the reasoning and rationality of my own, mar- of my own mind. And he said, I continued with my libertine ways, libertine making a, meaning a person who throws off all re- moral restraints, does everything wicked that they can do to enjoy their life supposedly. At the time, he became a professor of rhetoric at the University of Milan. And he remained in that position for a number of years. And then at 31 years of age, 31, he was miraculously and gloriously saved, converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. For the rest of his life, he served the Lord. He became a bishop in the church. He's known as the Bishop of of Hippo, H-I-P-P-O, which again was a prominent city at that time in history that no longer exists. He became known as a brilliant, brilliant intellectual, a theologian of the first rank. He was, he's now known as the first Christian philosopher. He wrote extensively thousands of pages, which we still have if you want to go to a library and pour through it. It's pretty heavy stuff. For example, he wrote, what is a just war? Because Christians should be 